What do you wonder? I don't know about you, but some of my favorite answers were from the girl with the braided hair who wonders about a lot of things. She wonders how she got here. She wonders what's out in the universe. In non-pandemic years, I think we also wonder about a lot as well. We wonder where we'll be in the next five to 10 years. As parents, we wonder, will our kids have good lives? Perhaps this is one of the greatest parts about being human. That as Christians, we believe this is a gift that God has given humanity. If you're not a Jesus follower or you're not a theist, I'm sure you have some explanation for how this happened. But what's undeniable is that you and I, we have the ability, we have the capacity to wonder. Sometimes our wonder leads to fear. Sometimes our wonder leads to joy. Sometimes our wonder just leads to more wonder. And we all wonder, though, through a frame of reference, some sort of context through which we view life. We're looking through an imaginary window, wondering what's on the other side of the window, wondering as it relates to faith, as it relates to the future, as it relates to our kids, as it relates to a whole bunch of things. And we wonder because our frame of reference doesn't provide us with all the answers, that our frame of reference changes as we grow, as we learn, as we experience new things, as we experience a pandemic. But all of us have some sort of a frame of reference. And our frame of reference really is to help us make sense out of life and to help us make decisions that make sense, right? And that your frame of reference determines how you view right from wrong, how you view just from unjust, how you view important versus unimportant, how you view unfair versus fair. That your frame of reference determines what you believe, how you should behave. Notice I said should, not how you actually behave. It determines what you are hoping for and what you can put your hope in. But the other thing about our frame of reference is really that most of us inherit this, that we're not blank slates, that by the time we're children, someone has already been building and shaping our frame of reference, our worldview, the way that we see the world, the way that we interpret the circumstances and events of life. Maybe for some of you, it's a religious frame of reference. Maybe for others of you, it's sort of kind of religious, that you went to church, but you never really talked about it at home. There was sort of just this overview that there was a God, but you didn't really go any further than that. Um, others of you, maybe it was academic. It's all in your head. It's all about the mind. Some of you, it was maybe scientific, or maybe it was a combination of those two together. Some of you, it was a moralistic, almost a legalistic frame of reference that focused on doing the right thing as the priority. Others of you, maybe it was an opportunistic that you, you look out for yourself because nobody else is going to look out for you. Some of you, maybe it was karma and you didn't necessarily use that word, but basically stuff happens in your life because you caused it. And then others of you, maybe it was fate, that stuff happens in your life that's beyond your control. But whoever raised you, raised you within the context of some sort of frame of reference. And then they sort of handed this off to you. And because we're children, we sort of adopted it. But then as we got older and we started going to school more and we started thinking that we were smarter than our parents when it came to this, we sort of just adapted and changed this frame of reference. And then some of us realized how smart our parents actually were and so we came back to their frame of reference and readopted it. And then for many of us, we've completely abandoned their frame of reference. And the reason that we abandoned their frame of reference is because as we continue to learn and experience life and continue to grow, what they gave us as a frame of reference didn't seem to line up with the reality of life that we saw in front of us. And when life doesn't make sense with our frame of reference, it leaves us wondering, which really can be a very disturbing place to be. Because when we are left in a place of wondering, many times it can lead to wandering with an A. That for many of us, when we wander, we generally don't wander in good directions. And it's sort of like a dog that all of a sudden suddenly gets off its leash. 
Like a bird that suddenly gets out of its cage. Like a cat, well, it doesn't really work with cats. But many times when we are wandering, we don't wander in good directions. So for these weeks leading up to Christmas, I want to invite those of you, or I want to talk to those of you that came from some sort of religious background, a religious frame of reference. Maybe it was Christianity. Maybe it was another religion. Maybe it was a very defined and specific view or frame of reference. Others of you, maybe it was ill-defined. But over time, life didn't line up with what you were taught, what you believed, or what was presented to you. And over time, you lost faith. And you lost faith because your frame of reference that you were given, it just didn't seem to work. It didn't seem to line up with reality. And so you just abandoned it. And maybe some of you have even defended the frame of reference that you were taught or that you grew up with at the same time that you were actually questioning that frame of reference. And so as we move forward towards the celebration of the birth of Jesus, I want to make the case for keeping Jesus as your frame of reference. I want to make the case for focusing on him in the center of your frame of reference. Or for some of you, I want to invite you to return to him as your frame of reference. That I want to invite you to consider reframing your whole life around the person of Jesus specifically. Now for some of you, that might look quite different than the, the version of Christianity that you grew up with or that you left behind. But if your objection is that you think that Christianity is going to require you to sort of abandon your 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 if you have faith in God, that you're going to have to abandon your view of reason and experience and sort of leave that all behind, that sort of you have to sacrifice your mind, I have some good news for you that maybe nobody's told you before. That the original version of Christianity didn't require people to sacrifice their experience, what they knew or what they observed. However, here's what I know about you, and I think here's what you probably know about me. That our frame of reference is limited, right? It's not all-encompassing. That your frame of reference, your worldview, the way that I see the world, the way I view the world, is limited and is not all-encompassing. That we can only see from our frame, right? We can't see from other people's frame. We can't even see from God's frame of reference. And on top of that, isn't it true that every season our frame of reference will change? That as kids, we hated going to the dentist, right? And now many of us drive ourselves to the dentist. As middle school and high school students, we hated curfews. And now many of us are enforcing curfews. Well, what happened? What changed? As seasons of life change, our frame of reference begins to change as well. So isn't it true that as you learn and grow, your frame of reference adapts and morphs as well? So isn't it possible that your current frame of reference is just simply incomplete? But here's what Christians believe, and here's why Christmas is so important. That God sent someone to our side of the frame to be a point of reference for us. That the New Testament writers teach that God didn't wait for us to discover something that we might not have discovered on our own, but God sent someone to our side of the frame to be a point of reference. And so we're going to look at an author who highlights that for us today. If you don't know, the English Bible is divided into two parts. and the second part, there's a document called Hebrews. And part of the reason it's called Hebrews is because we don't know who wrote it. But this document was written in the first century as a sermon to the Jewish or Hebrew people who had put their trust or had believed that Jesus was the Messiah, their Messiah that they'd long awaited for. Now, I can't illustrate how remarkable or amazing it is that someone in the first century, a Jewish person in the first century, would acknowledge that a flesh and blood person was this long-awaited Messiah. But many Jewish people who knew Jesus and met Jesus, including after the resurrection, came to this decision that he was the long-awaited Messiah. But eventually, over time, many of these Jewish Christians 
found it difficult to be a Christian in a Jewish community. It was difficult because they were ostracized from the Jewish synagogue. They were ostracized from their families. They were beginning to doubt. So the author of this book says, don't walk away from your faith in Jesus. And he gives them reasons why they shouldn't. And his reason, his answer really sort of is built around the idea that God sent someone to our side of the frame to be a point of reference. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 4. If you want to follow along the Bible app, you can open that up, select the more menu option, go to events, and you can find our church. The notes and verses will also be in the notes section of the chat and on the screen as well. Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. He says this, the author says this, So then, since we have a great high priest... Now, the author is using a reference that the Jewish audience would have understood that the high priest was basically someone who stood between God and the world. And that's what the high priest did. Continue on. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. That Jesus, the Son of God, is this sort of great high priest. That Jesus' followers would even say, like, he came to preach this great message, and then all of a sudden he started to go up into heaven, apparently. Continues on. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Since we have Jesus, then that's why we should hold firmly to what we profess. The author doesn't say, since everything is going our way, we should hold firmly to what we believe. Since everything is going right, we should hold firmly to what we believe. He doesn't say, since we have all the answers to our questions, since we solved all the mysteries and wonder of the universe, that's why we should follow Jesus. No, that's not what he says. That's not what the author says. That's what we want the author to say. But the author says, since we have, since God sent Jesus to us, then we should hold firmly to the faith that we profess. Continue on in verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. That Jesus was sent to earth so he could empathize with our weaknesses, and he was tempted like us. Continue on verse 16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Because God sent Jesus to our side of the frame to be a point of reference, we don't have to wonder if God can relate to us. We also can come to God for mercy and grace when we need it. And that's because of Jesus, the author says. And then he continues on a little bit later in the book of Hebrews. The author says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, right before this, the author goes through a long list of Hebrew heroes and Jewish heroes that were amazing people that they looked to in previous generations. And they did extraordinary things. Now the author is saying that since we have this awesome group of people behind us, here's what we should do moving forward. Looking to the future, this is what we should do. In light of this, this is how we should act. And the author uses those groups of people, those heroes, to remind the current group of Jewish followers that this is the reason that they are supposed to hold on to their faith. That God was gonna do something in these people, in the world, through these people, in the world. He was going to do something for the world through these people. And these heroes that died, these, these great cloud of witnesses, they died and they didn't see that promise fulfilled. That God was going to promise to do something in the world and these people didn't get to see it. And we actually are those people, the author would say, that we're actually able to see this promise fulfilled through Jesus. So don't get rid of Jesus. Don't get rid of your faith in Jesus. He is the promise. He's the one that came to fulfill that promise. That God has done something in the world for the world through us and through Jesus. So don't get rid of the very person that God promised. He continues on. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders 
and the sin that so easily entangles us. And really for all of us, we don't want to get rid of the sin that so easily entangles us because we enjoy it or it's too much fun on the surface, initially at least. But then we start to feel guilty because it sort of turns our heart selfish or it starts to hurt other people. And so at that point, we really have two options. Number one, we can keep this frame of reference that sort of tells us this isn't God's best for you. You really need to do something different. Number two, we can get a new frame of reference that says, well, that's not completely true. Like, if there is a God, he's not a personal God, so he doesn't care how you live your life. And with that second option, the world hasn't changed. You changed the way you saw the world. You changed your frame of reference. And I've heard something similar to this quite a few times that, Chris, you know, I didn't want to feel guilty anymore, but I also didn't want to change or start or stop, you know, the way I live my life. And so I just found a new frame of reference that didn't tell me that I was wrong. But I've also heard people come back to me and say, well, even though I found a new frame of reference, even though I changed my frame of reference, I got just a whole new window. There was something inside of me, on the inside of me that never was resolved. And I begin to wonder if I needed to change. Continuing on. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, the author says. That God has given us a frame of reference for our lives that really includes that we can know who God is and we can know how we're supposed to live our lives. And even if we don't know all that we could know scientifically, mathematically, philosophically, that there is a frame of reference for everything that is not a philosophy. It's not a religion. This frame of reference is actually a person. And the next few words that the author is going to share are incredibly important. Because the author is going to say to the Jewish group of people, saying that basically God has fulfilled his promise by sending someone, by sending Jesus as our point of reference, and you're beginning to lose focus. You're beginning to shift your perspective. You're going to need to find a new point of reference. And you need to refocus your attention. You need to focus on Jesus, not on a book, not on an institution, not on a building, but on Jesus, on a specific person. He continues on, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Now, chances are your religious framework focuses on something, right? And unfortunately for most of us, our religious framework began to shift to something other than Jesus. And even though it might have been a Christian church or religion, your faith probably began to eventually shift away from Jesus. Perhaps it focused your eyes on a pastor or a priest because he was so cool or she was so funny or they were just so smart and amazing. Maybe it focused your eyes on a, on a church or on Sunday. That it was all about church and it was all about Sunday morning and being there on Sunday. It, it really began to shift your focus to God's house, maybe even is what they, people said. Uh, maybe it fixed, uh, focused your eyes on the Bible. That we don't understand much of it, but it's all true. And it focused your eyes on a book. Maybe it focused your eyes on an experience like a camp or an altar experience or some sort of moment of salvation. Maybe it fixed your eyes or focused your eyes on circumstances. And it was all about God coming through in your circumstances. That if you do or say the right thing, then God will make the right thing happen. And you did or said the right thing, but the right thing didn't happen for you. And this is why so many people walk away from a Christian frame of reference. And unfortunately, they fixed their eyes on something other than Jesus. Continuing on Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, the ending of verse 1. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. So why are we to fix our eyes on Jesus? Because Christianity didn't begin with a building. Christianity didn't begin with a book. It didn't begin with an organization. It didn't begin with theology. Christianity began with a person. 
The person that God sent to our side of the frame to be a point of reference. The person that God sent to our side of the frame so that while we continue to learn God's mysteries of the universe, while we continue to learn God's mysteries of life, while we continue to learn God's mysteries of the human body, we can know where we stand with God. Continuing on, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. That Jesus, the pioneer, the originator, the initiator of faith, but not just that Jesus was the originator, or initiator, or pioneer of faith, he also perfects our faith. It's sort of like someone who brings something to a successful conclusion. You know, the perfect landing, the perfect parallel parking job. That the whole frame of reference stems from him, it rests on him. It begins and ends with him. Now this next part that we're going to look at can really be so romanticized, kind of like Christmas can be for those of us in a modern world who didn't experience a crucifixion, who never saw a crucifixion, who never smelled a crucifixion, who never walked by a crucifixion, who never saw bodies taken off of a cross, who never experienced a crucifixion and the, the aftermath of it and the bodies left to decay. But the people reading this letter, reading what this author wrote, had experienced people being crucified. The author says this, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now the author is sort of drawing them back to a particular frame of reference that they've sort of lost focus on. That the author is saying to them, and I think he says to you and to me, he says this in verse 3, Consider him. Consider or maybe reconsider him. Consider his life, not just what you were told about his life. Consider his teachings, not just what you were taught about him. Consider his claims, not just the things that people claimed about him. Consider him, not them. Consider him, not those things. Consider him, not just necessarily your circumstances or your experiences. Continuing on verse 3. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So that you first century audience and so that you 21st century audience will not grow weary and lose heart or lose faith. And perhaps the reason that you walked away from a frame of reference that includes faith in Jesus is perhaps somewhere along the way you lost focus on Jesus, yet your focus was no longer on Jesus. And it was something, it was on something, it was on someone else. So here's a question as we wrap up our time together today, that if you've sort of changed your frame of reference or if you've sort of wondered if your frame of reference has shifted, do you need to examine your current frame of reference? That as we approach the celebration of the birth of Jesus in these next few weeks, I want to invite you to consider, do you need to consider, do you need to examine your current frame of reference? Because if it's shifted, if it's kind of wondered, if you're wondering if you should shift, my hunch is that maybe your frame of reference wasn't focused or fixed on Jesus. It was focused or fixed on something else. Maybe your frame of reference has become all about COVID. Maybe your frame of reference has become all about politics. Maybe your frame of reference has sort of shifted to the church building or not being able to gather here together. Maybe your frame of reference has shifted because of circumstances in your life. But the reason it's so easy for us to sort of jettison our faith and our, our reference point in Jesus is sometimes circumstantial or experience-based faith sort of saying that, like, if this works out, God's for me. If it doesn't work out, like, where's God? Circumstantial or experience-based faith will not survive the pleasures and pressures of this world. It just won't. It won't survive those things. Because the pleasures and pressures of this world eventually make faith inconvenient and seem improbable. 
So here's something to wonder if you've sort of feeling tempted or you sort of walked away from a frame of reference that includes Jesus. Perhaps your eyes got fixed on something wrong, on the wrong thing. Perhaps your eyes got fixed on the wrong person. Because God sent a person to our side of the frame to be our point of reference through the birth of Jesus. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Christmas. Thank you for this season. Thank you for sending Jesus to our side of the frame. Because when we look out the window, when we look out the frame of reference of our lives, we see things. But sometimes we don't always see things accurately. Sometimes we don't even completely understand how to interpret those things. So God, thank you for sending somebody to our side of the frame to empathize with what we go through, to empathize with our emotions and the pain and the suffering that humans face. And God, thank you for sort of sending Jesus to our, our point of, as a point of reference so that we can look to him. And when we look out the window and we see so many things that we don't understand, we really can look to you. And that's not to say that, God, you don't use our wisdom and you don't use our knowledge and you don't use our observations. But God, in moments where we're not sure who to trust, our observations are you, would you help us to heed what the author of Hebrews says? To fix our eyes, to focus our eyes on you, Jesus. Not on other things, not on other people. And through this season, God, no doubt there's been moments where we've been tempted or we've been sort of uh, looking at our lives wondering if we shifted our focus to something else. God, for those who have maybe shifted, would you help them to examine whether they have really shifted their eyes to something else? That they have examined their current frame of reference. That, God, you would help us to stay focused on you. And, God, we thank you so much for sending Jesus to this world. Would you help us to be able to celebrate that? Would you help us to re-engage with that? Would you invite us to reconsider our frame of reference today? That it would be you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.